0: Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, it is good to see y'all on this Time Change Sunday, although if I'm being honest, it's a little more impressive at the first service, right? I mean, y'all could kind of, well, I know some of you were in life group, right? You got up early, and then some of you, come on, you just stumbled in, thought it was Thought it was you were here for the early service, and here's the second service. But I don't know what kind of points we get in heaven for going to church on time change. But if you're looking for those, I'll sign anything uh, that you need that you were here. Uh, that day. Hey, open your Bible with me to Luke chapter 22 or get out your Bible app, Luke chapter 22. If you're new to our church, we're in the midst of a nine-week series. I think this is week four. Uh, We are walking through verse by verse The last week of Jesus' life. And and in the Gospel of Luke, that's what we're working from. That begins in about the middle of chapter 19. And that brings us up to today where we are on Thursday night. And a, uh, a pretty familiar passage as the bulk of it is about the Lord's Supper. So let's look at that. Luke chapter 22. And I will begin reading in verse 1. The festival of unleavened bread, which is also called Passover, was approaching. The leading priests and teachers of religious law were plotting how to kill Jesus, but they were afraid of the people's reaction. Then Satan entered into Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve disciples, and he went to the leading priests and captains of the temple guard to discuss the best way to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted and they promised to give him money, So he agreed and he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus so they could arrest him when the crowds weren't around. Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. And he replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up, and that is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said. And they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. And Jesus said... I've been very eager to celebrate this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table sitting among us as a friend is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must, be, must die, but what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him. The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever do such a thing? And then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. I find that the strangest segue in all the Bible. <laughs> when you think of what Jesus has just shared with them, and all of a sudden they're thinking, Hey, I think I'm a little better than you. How did that happen? Jesus told them, hey, guys, (laughs) you know, in this world, kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they're called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Now, who's more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves You have stayed with me in my time of trial, and just as my Father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel." And this is a very large and meaningful passage. And when I say large, I don't just mean in terms of the number of verses I read, but its importance to our faith. And on this big and important passage today, I'm going to do a very short sermon. Now, there's two reasons why. One is we're going to come back on Palm Sunday and revisit this passage in a way that I am really excited about. Palm Sunday is April 10th. And uh, we're going to have that day, Paul Clausen, Rabbi Paul Clausen with us. And he is going to lead in a Seder or a Passover meal. Now, I I wish we could provide all 1,500, 1,600 of us here in the two services uh, that meal, but I can't do that. We can't do that. And I guess I've never done that because I've always thought, well, we can't feed everybody, so how? But then it dawned on me, well, maybe we could kind of sort of, and so what we're going to do is you're going to see a group of people go through the meal up here on the stage. You'll see the entire Seder meal. And it's, it's very interesting because everything on the table, everything happening has meaning. And when we come to the appropriate time of the, the bread and the cup, because the Lord's Supper comes out of that meal, and you and I just drop in right on that And we never really get the context from which it comes out to us from. So on that day, you're going to get to see the entire context and we will all together take the Lord's Supper. I think you'll find it very interesting, very enlightening. Uh, It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I I think you're going to really enjoy it. Also, uh, Paul and I will be announcing when Karen and I will be leading our next trip from the Heights to Israel. I know there's a lot going on in the world and COVID and every, all those questions will be answered not on that day but in the in a meeting but we are going to be leading another trip to Israel here uh, in the near future. So, anyway, that's we're we're going to we are going to be looking at the bulk of this passage on that day. A second reason that we're doing kind I'm doing kind of a shorter message today is I want to give a little time uh, to Ronnie West today. Uh, this Wednesday, March 16th, uh, we'll be marking 30 years that, that Ronnie as a pastor, Tina Witham, uh, will be serving as pastor, a pastor here at the Heights Baptist Church. And that is such a monumental moment that I think, it, I, I, you know, I just went to Ronnie and I said, hey, I'd like to hear from you. I'd like you to share with our church what it has meant to you, to your family, to your marriage, to love Christ, to love his church, our church, for 30 years now. So he's going to be coming in a moment and doing that but I, I told Ronnie I can't give you the entire time because we're in the middle of a series and I do got to move the ball forward here a little bit so you know when we're handling the, the Passover and the Lord's Supper but I do want to just t- touch real briefly on one topic here and that's Judas what happened well, why did he do this you know, Judas was chosen by Jesus along with the other 11, the 12 of them, and that happened very early in Jesus' ministry, meaning that Judas saw almost all of Jesus' miracles. He would have been there listening firsthand to almost all of his teachings. He walked with him. You and I use that metaphorically. No, Judas actually walked with him down the road as his Friend, you know, in a different kind of way on a certain level. Do you understand? Judas knew Jesus probably better than anybody here. And not just Jesus. I mean, think of the crowd he ran with. We talk about the importance of friends and small groups. Well, gosh, Judas ran with Matthew and Peter and James and John. I don't know. That sounds like a pretty good group of friends to me. So, what happened? This scripture certainly gives us some clues that he's not in a good place. But while he's not in a good place, whatever's going on eternally, you, you realize it wasn't recognized externally. There was nothing that made it obvious of what was going to happen. I mean, Jesus says here, hey, one of you is going to betray me. And you notice they're not all nudging each other going, "We well, you know who that is. I mean, we, we all know that's Judas. No, they weren't doing that. They're all could, could it be me? What happened? You know, Judas looked like any one of us here today. Singing songs, clapping, opening our Bible, loving and believing in Jesus. And yet, Satan entered him. Well, that's a a scary line, isn't it? Yeah, you say, man, does that that mean I can like genuinely be trying to love and serve Jesus and and live for Jesus and and bam, Satan's in me? Well, no, not quite. I, I mean, this is actually a big theological point here, folks. We know that God and Satan do not take up residence in the same house. And when you and I turn our faith to Christ... And Christ enters our lives, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside us. And the Holy Spirit and Satan aren't living in there together. So no, Satan cannot do a home invasion on a genuine believer. But he can walk through open doors. And sadly, you and I, every single one of us opens doors. Not at one time in our life, currently. The question right now is, do you have a door open at this moment? How many doors do you have open at this moment? And what are those doors? Well, I mean, you can think of some things like sexual immorality and impurity, drugs and alcohol. Well, you know, really, just sin, right? You know, sin, and, and you know, you hear me say this a lot. We get caught up in breaking our sins down into little sins and big sins. And these sins didn't hurt anybody. And this isn't a fa- Hey, listen, all sin, every single one of them is a place where I go to partner with Satan in a rebellion against God. Every time you and I sin, we're partnering with Satan in a rebellion against God. Can we go ahead and recognize that as an open door? We're inviting Satan. Come on, come on in. Now, with, with Judas, we, we do have a couple of clues. We, we know we had an unhealthy relationship with money. He just sold his Savior. But even before that moment, he, we know he stole from Jesus, from the disciples... And Jesus taught us it's a very short bridge from where we go from using money to worship and serve our God to where we are serving and worshiping money as our God. So money might have been a door door in for Judas. Anger. Anger. Where, Where does it say he was angry? Well, he's a zealot. Judas of Iscariot was a zealot, which means every day of his life he was politically angry. Woo, that strikes a nerve. Hey, not implying anything wrong with that. If you're in Jerusalem and you're not angry about Roman occupation, you're not angry about the status, there's something wrong with you. This isn't about the rightness or the wrongness of my anger. It's just that we're very unsuccessful with anger. Anger is a very dangerous tightrope to walk when it's held by hate on one end and anger on the other. And the scripture says multiple times, Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 is a good example that anger is a wide open door into my life for Satan. Now even as the Scripture tells us these things about Judas. They're after the fact. They, they didn't see that. What might be that door for you? What are those doors that might be open in your life right now? Because I can assure you this, 1 Peter 5.8, Satan drives by your house every single day to see if you've left a door open. To see if something's ajar in the back. Every day, he's looking for that door into your life. When Satan enters, it's mind-blowing what you have the ability to do. It's not a game. Shut the door. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give me, all of us, Lord, wisdom... Give us insight, give us discernment to look in our lives right now, right this very moment, and think about what the open doors are in our lives. God, would you speak to every person in this room, everybody watching online, would you speak to us right now about an open door, the open doors in our life? Lord, I pray we'd have the wisdom pray we 'd have the courage, the faith, the motivation to shut the door, Lord, my guess is why well, don't some of us are thinking right now I don't, I don't I don't know how to shut the door there's no mystery here, God. may we stop lying to ourselves? Help us, oh God, shut the door. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen, amen. Ronnie and Tina, you come now. I, uh, Ron, Ronnie asked me this week, he said, Are you going to... Yeah. Now, if you're going to clap, clap. If you're not, then just stop. But we'll do it in a little bit, okay? R- Ronnie said, Are you really going to introduce me right after you've preached when Satan enters? And uh, I said, You know, Ronnie, it feels appropriate. I don't know. But uh, th- this is Ronnie and, and Tina West, 30 years now. As our education pastor. And while I use that one title. You probably have had 20 or 30 other things. That have entered and exited your job description. Over the years. But, but Ronnie and Tina both have had just a, a profound impact. On our church and on our ministry. I've asked them to share a little bit with us this morning. And I'll come back up and share a little bit in a second. Okay.
1: Thank you Pastor. Thank you very much. Just get this up a little bit. Thank you so much. Um. Well, Randy asked us uh, a couple of weeks ago, said, Hey, Ronnie, why don't you, uh, why don't you share uh, what 30 years has meant, um, being here, has meant to your family and to you and being able to do that. And uh, wow, how do, how do you tie or how, how do you wrap up 30 years in 15 minutes? You just, you just tell a few stories, I guess, and then you, you kind of start at the beginning. And I think that's the most appropriate thing. thing. And so um, in ministry, we've always kind of had a a life verse. You want to share that with us, Tina?
2: We loved you so much that we not only shared God's good news, but our own lives also.
1: Yeah. so uh, we kind of embraced that because um, early in ministry, we, uh, well, when we came here, we we were very wounded, very suspicious, very... um, uh, confused even we had left a former uh church swearing we would never be in ministry again and uh the pastor harper had kind of uh was asking us to come and asked us to come and we didn't want to do it and finally we just felt you know since the lord was calling us but we did it with a lot of trepidation we yes. were uh, we were kind of scared yes. and um you know I, I think in the first couple years that we were here uh truth is the um the church, God brought us here so the church could minister to us. Yes. And because um, we, we were in trouble. We, we were in trouble as a family. Our marriage was in, in a lot of trouble. Yeah,
2: yeah, and we went through two years of marriage counseling with Ellen Moore. Um, it was hard work, uh, very important, and a lot of healing.
1: Yeah, it really was. And uh, it goes, goes to show you, hey, your marriages and things like that are worth fighting for, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, it is hard work. And so... We've been married 34 years now, right? I had to think for just well, a second. Well, <laughs> 30,
2: 36, you always say two were really long Those years. two were
1: really long, yeah. Uh, they, they were very long. <clears throat> so uh, there's some truth to that statement. There really is. <laughs> Those were long and, and they were hard. But, you know, I think good things are worth fighting for. And I think that um, uh, we were very fortunate uh, where God brought us here to this place because He wasn't finished with us yet, and he knew that we needed to heal, and we needed to do that, and um, it was this church that afforded us that opportunity, and so we are eternally grateful, get emotional, but, uh, and so, you know, with those two years, we, we were shown, we learned that we had to show grace to others, and to each other, Uh, I think we were shown more grace, and so the truth is you can't lead unless you've been led, right? And uh, and so we are <clears throat> at a place where those first couple of years God's just doing some, some great things in our own life and, and doing that. And then over the years, I think after that, uh, we were able to see so many wonderful things. But there was a few things that kind of stood out that changed our perspective, if you will, or changed... Um, how we did ministry, how we did life, how we did that kind of thing. And uh, the first is really, um, uh, is the people. We kind of already talked a little bit about that, but it's the people that we got to serve alongside, uh, the people who poured into us. But that molded us. It helped change our perspective of ministry and life and those things. I know. And, yeah. I mean to No, on.
2: But once you recognize that you're forgiven much. Yeah then you easily forgive because you're so humbled by it.
1: That's true. And so there were some of those things. We we certainly can't name every Mm -hmm. person that has uh, meant so much to us. And so we're not even going to try, but we're going to mention a couple. And uh, one is a a, a barber uh, that was here when we first came. And his name was Garland Baird. And some of you will remember Garland. Uh, He's gone on to be with the Lord, but uh, he had a dramatic impact on your life. Very much so.
2: So during this time feeling unworthy uh, and like he said garland was a pillar and every monday night we had this team that would go out for visitation and he walked past me one night and he stopped and he said this is how he talked Tina, you know no i'm going out every monday night to witness and i need you to be praying for me that i save souls and lead people to jesus and i thought Why in the world, I am not worthy of this, why would he ask me? But I thought, I'm gonna do it. And you better believe I did it. And I loved the stories that he told of the salvations. And then when he passed away, I remember standing over his casket and looking at him and thinking, wow, well done, Garland. And then the other thought came to me of, and then you have to pass the baton. I've got to pick this up. And it changed my thought life, my prayer life, my desire to love others, serve others, witness to others. I think that was a real turning, impactful moment in my life.
1: Right. And um, uh, there were several others, when when we think of it, um, over the years, serving alongside people who were just members. And then... Uh, god is using them in such tremendous ways now. I, I think of Todd and Vera Gallagher. We just saw the video We uh, were members here for fifteen years or so before they went on the on the field and mm-hmm. uh, now they're they 're in a war zone and they 're serving god and but just their dedication has inspired inspires us yes. inspires our family, inspires people. I think of Jacob Ashley, who uh, grew up as a teenager mm-hmm. in in our uh, our, our church.
2: And babysat our yeah, kids. Yeah, babysat
1: our kids, did all that kind of stuff. But Jacob uh, and his family have been in India for years on the mission field. And and so, you know, just being able to see, and there's many others, just see people come from this church and to love God so much that they were willing to give their lives and to serve Him. Uh, has served as such an inspiration and again like i say it's a it's a perspective changer it it changes the way we do ministry because we see other people uh being involved in ministry and doing those things and you know i think of people like julian gresham who was he taught revelation some of y'all took revelation from him i always want to do that but just loved god and i think taught life groups here for 50 plus years you know he just was an amazing man uh, Charlotte Swearingen and others I, I just think of so many people who, who were just those pillars that just just did that and, and poured uh, into us Yes, and, and, the, and there's the,
2: way too many that we could ever yeah. name
1: so, so not only are, are the people important to us that God allowed us to have these relation, wonderful relationships with uh, I think one of the, the hidden benefits if you will of being here a long time but it also has changed the way we do ministry is that We've been here so long, we actually get to see many prayers answered. And so, you know, sometimes we start praying for things, but the, the answers don't come right away. Uh, sometimes you're praying for broken marriages, for kids who who are wandering and, and, and not serving God or doing things or, you know, just, just name it, whatever those things are, and you begin to pray for them. And those answers don't necessarily come right away, but we've been here long enough that we've seen... Those prayers answered, and, and the reason that changes you is when you start seeing and you start cataloging if you will, these answered prayers, it changes the way you pray, it changes the way you believe, it changes the way you serve in faith, and uh, we 've been the, uh, the the beneficiary of seeing so many prayers of the people of God and and, and seeing how God has answered those prayers and so Uh, that that has helped us so much. But also, yeah, yeah, go ahead.
2: Some of them were pretty instant. Yes, they were, yes. And so I I remember when Jordan was 13 and they had the most amazing youth group. It was just wonderful for them. They're growing in the Lord. And um, one of his best friends, Wesley Pitts, was in a bike accident and was taken to the hospital and pronounced brain dead. Well, Jordan and his buddies stood around his bed and started singing. And his brain activity began again. Wesley went on to a full recovery. And they are still best friends today. Serving the Lord together today. Um, here. But for that group. For my son. Our son. I think it showed them. God can do anything. And they believed that. Mm-hmm. And, and still believe that.
1: Right. So. So again, we we have the people and we have the answered prayers, and I think one of the other extremely important places over the years that has impacted us and our family is is the missions, and um, and so uh, our family has been to Nicaragua, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Ukraine, China, New Orleans, Boston, Trinidad, and I'm sure I'm missing a couple. You know, uh, we, you know, over those thirty years, we've had opportunities. Some of those more than once. But uh, we've had these opportunities to go. And, you know, it's amazing. You you go on the mission field thinking you have something to offer. And you realize when you get there, oh, no, it's you that God's working on. And that uh, you're the one that's being taught humility and... Uh, taught uh, how, how you know, so many things about God and doing this stuff. And it's just, it was a life change experience for for us us. as we we saw a world that needed Jesus. And it wasn't on a picture, but it was right there in front of us.
2: And for them to be so young, our kids to be so young and to go and do this. I think of Jacqueline and Berkeley and Kevin Freeman and the opportunity that they had. We went to a hut and there was a 16-year-old mama And several times people had come through and tried to witness to her and she just wouldn't receive it. And those three stood there with their little hands shaking as they were moving their little prayer bracelet, sharing Christ with that girl. And she accepted the Lord that day. Mm -hmm. And it just did something to those kids' faith. I I remember now, Burke and Jacks, one of their favorite things is, I haven't been everywhere, but it's on my list. (laughs) And I really believe it started there. Also, think of Nate, our son, and yes. Colin Hahn. Yes. And how they were in Africa. And they shared Christ with that hut. The whole hut got saved.
1: Well, the whole village of the huts. Whole, and so many of them got saved. And that's actually kind of a funny story. Y'all can ask me later. But uh, yes. it's, uh, it's kind of a funny story. But we saw God move. And, mm-hmm. and saw some really kind of fun things there that uh, were, were, was kind of interesting. But they
2: took that and thought, we're going around the world. But we can do that right here. And they bought into that and they began to live it.
1: Yeah, yeah they certainly did. And so, so you know, hey, we, we've just been blessed so much to have things like this, the people, the answered prayers, the, uh, the missions, opportunities, and do those things. And, and then we jotted down kind of to try, wrap it up a little bit. Um, you know, what are, what are some lessons or some things we've learned that has kind of shaped us? And uh, I think the first thing that really stands out and by the way uh, you know weren't the songs great I, I'm, I, I don't know if they were planned that way or not it seems like too much coincidence all about your story you know I just think you know this is about a story and I'm getting to say it so uh, I was and assume, I am who I am
2: because yeah. But says uh, who I am uh,
1: you know one of the one of the things that uh, really stands out is that um, the church has changed dramatically over 30 years uh we we, our church looks different it actually is in a different place certainly is much larger all these things and we have seen god do some amazing tremendous things seen a lot of lives changed we've seen a lot of people get saved we've seen uh you know like i said these answered prayers of marriages restored and all those things but the truth of it is that god that, that that we were not necessary for God to accomplish his purpose here. You know, uh, we were just blessed to have the opportunity to be a part of what God was doing. You know, in other words, it's not, it's not us. God's gonna accomplish his purpose with or without us. And, uh, and we were not necessary to do that. But I think in, in saying that, it's, it's having an attitude of we get to do this. Yes. You know we get to serve God, we get to be a part of something that's bigger than us. we get to be a part of something that's making a difference in in lives uh, you know it's not a we have to, but we get to and uh and so for us that's kind of one of those messages we want to to kind of share with you is you get to mm-hmm. you know it's it, you get to be a part of what god's doing you don't have to, but you get to and so every opportunity you have is an opportunity that, that, that that's a blessing and you just get to do it. You may be tired and you may be a lot of things, but hey, you, you get to do that. And um, as a result, you know, Tina, you and I, um, because we had this attitude of we get to do this, we made a very conscious decision uh, for us and our family. And that decision was that we wanted our family, children included, to, to be involved in every life-changing opportunity we could. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew it was important for them. You know, we, we, we were sharing Christ with them in the home and that stuff, but whether it be children's camp or youth camp, something like Winshape, whether it be a mission opportunity, we we were going to find a way for them to be involved in every life-changing opportunity. And it's so easy. It was so easy sometimes for us to be pulled in different directions, whether it be recreation or sports or other things, you know, that, that we were pulled in so many different directions. But we just said, hey, you know what? God is doing something great. We want our kids. We want our people to be uh, be involved in every opportunity. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. And, and, and making that happen.
2: And I, and I think also when you look at the fact of, our children being born here from mm-hmm. the nursery to children's department, youth, all the way up to adulthood. They had leaders, people just pouring into them. The leadership at this church is something you can really trust. We study, we study the Word. It's God's Word. It speaks truth. And our kids have heard it their whole lives. And so I know that it's taken a lot more than just Ronnie and I for them to grow to love the Lord.
1: Yeah, and uh, our kids... I think they love the church and they, and and but you know they they face challenges too. I was joking with somebody beforehand, you know. Uh, you are
2: gonna say I'm this. gonna
1: say it, you know. Jordan got in a fight and got his nose broken, you know. So there we go in the middle of the thing. A lot of people say, "Hey, let's just not go there. Let's not do this. Let's not want to do that." But we stuck through it and we made it happen. And so y'all can teach Jordan about that later <laughs> if you want to and make that, make that happen. But uh, so, you know, there there are things that happen along the way that are difficult and are challenges. And so we were just trying to say, look, uh, the choice we made, once again, is we want our family, whether it dealt with our children or whether it dealt with us as adults, to be involved in every life-changing opportunity available. And, you know, and I think about that for, for us as a church. Make that choice. Make that choice to be involved in every Opportunity that's there. You know, if you're just, you know, if you're young and children, hey, there's camps, there's there's small groups, there's all those kind of things, life groups. If there's, uh, if you're an adult, man, if you've just retired, why not give the Lord the first two years of your retirement? What greater thing to do? You know, there there are ways to serve God that we've not even imagined yet. You say, well, what would I do for two years? I don't know. Come talk to me. We'll figure it out, right? We'll, We'll do it. But but take advantage. Of what God's doing because we get to. That's what I want to say. We we get to do this, and Lord's, you know, Tina and I are forever, eternally humbled and grateful, and our love for you and this church um, is beyond measure because you have meant so much to us. So thank you. And thank you very much, and dear. for,
2: you know, for us, I think Ronnie, you and I would both say, God, we just want to be, right yeah. where you are. Yeah. And He is He's, here. He is
1: here. Amen. I'm into that. Thank you, guys.
0: You know, folks, to try to put a context on this, uh, 30 years, and I think we all can recognize that's just a long time anywhere, right? But uh, in, in Southern Baptist life, and I actually read this article a long time ago, but I'm confident it would not have changed that much. In, in Southern Baptist life, in Southern Baptist churches, the average stay of a senior pastor is 39 months at a church. The average stay of a staff pastor is 27 months. That just puts a little bit of context. When you get to five years, you've done something special. And you know, you see that, you know, hey, there's a 10-year over here or 20 or even a 25. But when you get to 30, well, you're just old, honestly, at that point. Uh, You've just been around really a long time. He's older than I am. Which is (laughs) odd. He's older than me. Which is odd because we're only 45. Yes, you are. Yes, you are, Tina, 45. That's... I'm just going to move on because we're out of time. But uh, step
1: over. I want to tell you something. All
0: honestly, I'm reading a book. I don't even know where I got it from. I don't know if somebody (laughs) slipped it under the door or whatever. It's called Strength to Strength, and it's not a uh, not a Christian book per se, but it's it's about the decline in our lives, and it measures all these industries from science to business and everything in between. And our greatest production is in our late 20s. And after that, we're all pretty much in a decline. <laughs> it's a fun thought. Go home and think on that today. But, uh, you know, I, I, I feel the need to mention that to say, Ronnie's been here 30 years. And I, I can say with all honesty, in the last three years, I think Ronnie's done his best work at the Heights and has significantly, profoundly impacted uh, our not only our current state, but even our future in what our church can be and do. And it's when you look at how the human body works, the human mind works, uh, it's, it's pretty incredible to see what Ronnie has been, is doing in our church right now. So, you know, as we uh, leave here today, I, I hope in the, in the days, the weeks ahead, as you see Ronnie and Tina out in the concourse, that you just take time to thank them, for who they are and what they've meant to you. Maybe you write them a note or uh, some other way of just expressing what they mean to you. And we do have a, a gift here for you, Ronnie, that uh, you can take, Tina. and um, you see them over there. Oh, them yeah, over there. and let's bring up, we got the family, want to bring them on up. Oh, yes. uh, you know, there's a joke the about pastor's kids. <laughs> they, they, they grow up to adults and never return to the church again after being a pastor kid. Uh, they've got three children. All three of them are in ministry. Of course, you all know Jordan serves on campus here, uh, on our church here. His wife, Sarah. This is Jacqueline, their youngest and best. And uh, in, in between Sorry, is Nate, and Nate, Nate is a, a pastor, uh, a youth pastor, family pastor mm-hmm. at a... Uh, a lo- hey there, buddy. You know who the best person up here is, that's don't right. you? Uh, so great. Nate is at a, a, a local church here out in the Palatan area, but uh, mm-hmm. this is their family. And, uh, you know, I mentioned them all being in ministry. I do give some credit to mom and dad for how they've led in the Lord in that way. But that's a relationship with you that has brought that about as, as so much right, as anything. Absolutely. So a tremendous uh, relationship as we celebrate them, we celebrate what all of us have had an opportunity to do here. So y'all yeah. thank them for 30 years. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. There
1: we go. He's yeah. <laughs> a cute one, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Thank you, Randy. Thank, oh, thank, thank, yeah. thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank you, everybody. All right. All right.
0: All right. right. 30 years. Hey, you know, if you're sitting here today and thinking about where does that kind of faithfulness to God come from or those kinds of relationships, where does that come from? it, It starts in a relationship with Christ and his goodness and faithfulness in your life. Well, if you have questions today about how you can begin a relationship with Jesus, use today as the opportunity to begin that relationship. As we walk out these doors, there's a desk right in the center, and above it it says, Next Steps. And I promise you, that's your next step with God, whether that step is... To begin a relationship with Jesus, to follow him in baptism, maybe to join the church here at the Heights, any of those kinds of questions, decisions, uh, you can go out there and talk to them about that. And whether you've been a member here for 30 minutes or 30 years, I promise you you can go to that same desk and find out what the next step for you is in Serving the Lord and in His church. Just tell them what you're looking for, what you're trying to do and be, and they'll guide you with that. I want to encourage everybody in our church, take starting point. That brings us all together to the same page. You learn more about your church in three classes than I think you could in any other way. It's a profound way to follow your Lord faithfully in and through his church. So go out there and ask about starting point today. Thank you guys so much for being here. God bless you and you have a great week.